You know, even if you aren't coming to our Sunday night study of Strange New World, I'm sure that you've noticed a huge change in the moral landscape of our land. What was once thought unthinkable is now not only acceptable, but embraced and celebrated. And other than when it's an attempt to normalize what has never been normal, marriage is viewed as an unnecessary, expensive, an outdated obstacle to living together. Well, in a day when there are fewer and fewer weddings and formal engagements are almost a thing of the past, I love it when I see a diamond on the finger of a bride-to-be, even a big one that you know the future groom really can't afford. So how much should you spend on an engagement ring. Well, the traditional rule is that you should spend at least two months' salary on a ring. So we're going to be a little, little further up the scale than Mark was. Uh, if you make 60000 a year, you should expect to spend $10,000. Now, the average amount actually spent in America today, according to a couple of different surveys, is between $5,500 and $7,750 with millennials spending less at just over $3,000. The most ever spent was the $4,060,000 ring that uh, Prince Rainier bought for Grace Kelly back in 1956, which would be worth $38 million today. Now, most would probably agree that that was a tad extravagant, even for a prince. But what is too extravagant? Surely blowing a year's wages on a symbolic gesture of love and devotion would be considered far too extravagant. Well, Judas thought so. But surprisingly, Jesus didn't. John sets the scene in the first two verses of chapter 12. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Now, it's been approximately two months since the raising of Lazarus, and Jesus has returned to Bethany, the home of Lazarus and his sisters. He arrived six days before the Passover, probably on Friday evening. Now Martha, as she was in the habit of doing, is serving the meal. Lazarus, as men are prone to do, is reclining at the table with Jesus and his disciples, and Mary does something that could no doubt be called an act of extravagance. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house 
was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, apparently, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus were from a fairly affluent family. They were able to serve as hosts to Jesus and the disciples whenever they were in the area and apparently had a house large enough to accommodate everyone. Well, their affluence became even more evident in what Mary did during the meal. She brought to the table a pound of nard. Now, that's not lard, it's nard, okay? No doubt in an alabaster vial like the one another woman would break open four days later in the home of Simon the leper. Now, nard was an aromatic herb that was grown in the high pasture land of the Himalayas between Tibet and India and was therefore very costly. In fact, it was so valuable that it was sometimes kept in homes as a savings account. But Mary did something quite unexpected with her savings account. She broke open the vial and anointed the feet of Jesus with the nard. Now, perhaps no one had washed feet upon the arrival of Jesus and his disciples, as no one had done in the home of Simon the Pharisee some two years earlier. But Mary anointed Jesus' feet, and then she did something a virtuous Jewish woman would never do in public. She let down her hair and then wiped Jesus' feet with her hair. Now, what she did was, in fact, similar to what the known woman of ill repute had done in the Pharisee's home when she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. Indeed, this was an extravagant act motivated by love and gratitude for all Jesus had done for them. And Mary gave little thought to the cost of the oil or the propriety of what she was doing. With no thought of her reputation or the extravagance of pouring a pound of nard, Mary just followed her heart. She filled the room with a perfume that was usually dabbed behind an ear or on her wrist. It was extravagant indeed. And Judas called her out on it. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. <laughs> now, Judas was good with figures. He served as treasure for Jesus and the disciples, and he quickly calculated a pound of genuine nard at 300 denarii. Denarii was a day's wage, so it was worth almost a year's wages. You know, Fifty to $60,000 gone in an instant, leaving behind nothing but a sweet fragrance. Such waste. Now, that amount of money could have done a lot of good, it could have been given to poor people and gone for necessities. You know, Judas' analysis of the situation reminds me of an article that appeared in uh, the Wittenberg Door back in the 70s. Uh, 
a, a monthly magazine I used to get, and it was entitled How to Spend $15 Million. Now, this is back in the 70s. It listed 21 projects that could be funded, including orphanages in Nairobi, wells in India, kitchens and clinics for the homeless, Bible translation teams, and the support of seminary students who could start 50 new churches, or, as it pointed out, it could be spent to build a big glass church. Now, at first glance, their obvious criticism of the Crystal Cathedral made sense. But I soon came to realize that it's always possible to think of more righteous ways to spend someone else's money. You know, I could do the same thing with the money you spent on a new car or a vacation or dinner at Indigo. And you could do the same to me. You know, we can always find a more righteous way to spend someone else's money, and that's what Judas was doing here. And it is true. That money could have been given to the poor people, but it wasn't. It was given to Jesus in a beautiful act of love and devotion. But Judas couldn't see that. And the reason he couldn't see it was because it made what he was about to do look even more ugly by contrast. He was going to betray Jesus. He was going to sell out his relationship with Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He certainly couldn't see wasting 300 days' wages on Jesus. Judas was bitter. He was disappointed. Things hadn't gone as he thought they should have, and his bitterness blinded him to the beauty of Mary's act. And his greed made him critical of her generosity. He wasn't really suggesting that the money be given to the poor. He was wishing it had been put into the treasury because he didn't have access to it, and Judas was a thief. But it sounded so righteous to condemn Mary for extravagance. And after apparently thinking about it for a couple of days, the other disciples joined in criticizing the waste when another vial of nard was broken and poured over Jesus' head. And what, what she had done was really stupid. Or was it? Surprisingly, Jesus came to her defense. Jesus, therefore, said, let her alone in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Jesus said, let her alone. Stop picking on her. Whether she realized it or not, Mary was anointing Jesus' body for burial, and he appreciated the open display of extravagant love. Besides, he added, there would always be opportunities to help the poor. Now, Jesus isn't condoning a calloused attitude toward those in need. He's not saying, don't worry about them today. You can always help them tomorrow. He's simply saying that there would be other opportunities to help the poor. 
But Mary had had only one opportunity to do what she had done. And besides, Judas hadn't proposed helping someone who had a need at that moment. He was merely saying that surely there was someone else who could have benefited more from such extravagant waste. And again, we can always theorize a better way to spend someone else's money or even our own. And that's especially true with TV and the internet constantly bringing pictures of need around the world into our living room are made to feel guilty for spending on ourselves when there's so much need all around us. We're, we're made to feel guilty for ever spending more than what is absolutely necessary. And, and then we agonize over deciding what is necessary. You know, we ought to help the poor. And the opportunity to do so will come often. Deuteronomy 15.11 says, For the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in the land. However, I think Jesus is here saying that it's okay to occasionally follow your heart and show your love without first calculating the cost. You may not get another opportunity to express how you feel towards someone, so you better do it while you can. You know, Mary loved Jesus, and she no doubt sensed that the end was soon coming. When he raised her brother, he had effectively signed his own death warrant. She wanted him to know how she felt. So she showed her love to Jesus in a way that seemed right to her. And Jesus appreciated it, even though others thought it was extravagant. Now, maybe we should learn a lesson from Mary here. You know, sometimes we're too reserved when it comes to showing our affection for the Lord. We're so concerned about what others might think that we fail to express what's on our heart. And that can be true while singing or praying or crying or giving. And I'm sure most of us would be afraid the IRS or a neighbor or somebody would question us if we took our savings account and broke it open and poured it out at the feet of Jesus. Especially if it went for something might not seem necessary. But sometimes love is best expressed foolishly, like spending grocery money on flowers for an anniversary or blowing a year's clothing allowance on just one beautiful dress. Now, we must not be totally irresponsible with our resources. As a rule, we must be good stewards. But there may be times when practicality should be thrown out the window and an extravagant expression of love made with little or no thought about the cost. Not only will it bless the one we love, but it will remind us of the fact that everything we have 
is at the disposal of our loved ones. And that is certainly true in our relationship with Christ. What do we have that isn't his already? If he is our Lord, we own nothing. Everything we have is at his disposal. And Jesus certainly didn't hold back when the time was right for him to show us his love. So we shouldn't hold back when the time is right for us to show love to him. You know, if your heart says, do it, give it all, just do it. It may cost you everything, but never forget that it should and does cost us everything to follow the Lord. The question we ask ourselves today, are we willing to pay the price? Let's stand and commit ourselves to giving him everything.